It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota baseball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the podcast. Today we talk a lot of Harrison Smith, his contract extension, the relationship that made it possible, and overall how NFL contracts are reported in media and what really matters. Then we get into which offensive player not named Teddy Bridgewater has the most to gain from an improved offensive line. And then we get into a mailbag. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Go get that first down and get a touchdown. Rock em, suck em. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer. I'm joined by ESPN.com's Ben Gessling and 1500 ESPN's Judd Zolgad of the Mackie and Judd Morning Show. Got to start off with a good uh, comment we got about Mr. Zolgad on this podcast. I can hardly wait for this one. Emailer Jill says, one suggestion for your podcast. Get rid of Judd. Boy, is he opinionated, negative, sure of himself, and often wrong. Painful to listen to. But so far, she keeps coming back. That's why, in all seriousness, in the research we've done here through the years, in the female demos, I'm huge. <laughs> I'm absolutely... I The approval, I think it's because I'm... They cut. hate how much they love you? Is yeah, that? exactly right. I think... You're like the subject of a chick rock song. So she, wait, she doesn't even know that that's I why am, she keeps coming back. I am basically a Bravo reality show waiting to happen. That's what I am. We need a button board, and that needs to be on it. <laughs> I'm either that, or or there is an off chance, and I don't want to talk about this too much because it, it's not out yet. Bachelorette, you know? I mean, I'm married, so that's tough. No, that no, would, no, no, that no, would no. throw a uh, wrench in the proceedings, yes. Confident, cocky, I'm everything they're looking Why for. Why wouldn't you be the bachelor next time they cycle around that? that no, that's in, that's, it's all out there. You could be the guy and have it's 20 women after you. Maybe Jill would jump in. Anyway, Jill, thanks very much, and I appreciate the fact that you 48-year-old sports writers just kill on the Bachelor demographic. 46, okay? I was, I was just spitballing. I didn't know what 46. the number was. I was close. Won't be 47 until November. I'm a, I'm a young man still. 
safe to say none of us are probably draws for women on this podcast, but one guy who probably would be is Harrison Smith. Signed a contract extension, That's five years. Five-year, $50 million. We'll, we'll get into uh, what that means, the guaranteed money, the structure of it, now that we know more about that deal. Uh, and just in general, NFL contracts um, and how a lot of it is not necessarily misreported, but the, the full information doesn't come out on these things, right? Yeah, I mean, until you get the... The full structure of it. I mean, it's it's sort of there's there's two things that go on when the numbers come out. It's that agents always want you to think that it's a bigger deal than it is because that is probably one of the better sources of advertising that agents have is look what this guy got. But teams want you to see, okay, this isn't really what this is. And teams usually aren't the ones giving out the numbers. And that's you know when when you get the numbers later and you get the official numbers is kind of what really matters. But the early numbers that come out are the ones that sort of lead you to think it's a lot really a lot bigger than it really is and and this deal i think is a perfect example of that yeah harrison smith the first thing that pops out there we all got it monday morning highest paid safety and then eventually it starts trickling out okay 10 million dollar signing bonus that's guaranteed we'll get into how that works but ben you wrote a good story i think this week on on the agent behind harrison smith and somebody that Brian Murphy, somebody that does a lot of work with the Vikings, uh, whether it's Kyle Rudolph, John Sullivan, Everson Griffin, basically a lot of the established guys Trey in the big Waynes. deals yeah, that they've done recently. Um, how important is that, too, knowing, and also one of the first comments we got on this podcast last week was, hey, guys, great call on the Harrison Smith extension saying it would happen in training camp. So it got done a couple months earlier than expected, but this showed that the Vikings were willing to bend on some end, and I think that relationship with that agent probably helped that, right? Yeah, he said as much. I mean, he said that the the thing that it does is that it sort of takes out that initial phase of we've got to come in high knowing that they're going to come back down, and you know, like when you're buying a house, when you you say, oh, well, we really want to be here, so we're going to go here knowing that they're going to come back down, and and hopefully we end up in the middle. He said with, with these guys, it's a lot of it is, I'm not going to come in asking for more than I think he's worth, and they're not going to come in asking for him to be grossly underpaid. The, the, the BS phase of things sort of goes away. I mean, they, they've done enough business together, whether it's Harrison Smith, Kyle Rudolph, two deals for John Sullivan, which Brian Murphy said were sort of the two that cemented the relationship being on solid footing because the negotiations were tough. Everson Griffin... Trey Waynes, Matt Castle, Charlie Johnson. I mean, they've done a lot of business together. So they're at a point where they can be fairly direct with each other. They're not always going to agree. I thought one of the more entertaining parts of that interview with him is when he said, we know once a negotiation, Rick is going to call and yell at us. But in the end, they both have an idea of where they want to be, and their relationship has been good. And I think you know the Vikings know that they can deal with his guys because they're going to end up with deals that – give the player what they want, and allow the Vikings to retain the flexibility that they like to have. Yeah, getting into this deal, too, really, when you look at it on the surface, in terms of guaranteed at signing, he's got $15 million, over $15 million guaranteed at signing. He's got about $28 million guaranteed for injury, which is about the first three years of his salary, right? Yeah. I mean, really, the, but the, the real quick, the, the guaranteed at signing really is only 10 because he had the 5.278 already. The new guaranteed at yeah, signing. There's yeah, there's only 10. 10. It's, it's the signing just, bonus, and that's it. Yeah, so really, two-year, $15 million deal if he's healthy. Yeah. Um, and then when you look, well, no, because his salary next year is $5 million, so two-year, $20 million deal. But when you look then ahead at 2017-18, those salaries do guarantee. Like the Vikings now, Rob Brzezinski, their, their cap guru, does things where they maneuver the, the contract money to where it's not fully guaranteed at signing, but then maybe on the third day of the league year, 
like Harrison's, you kind of lock in there on that on that salary. So it gives them a little bit of window there to give them some flexibility. Um, but knowing Harrison, knowing what he's done for this team, it's not like they're going to hit the eject button necessarily yeah, in two years. So. Judd, you wrote a column too saying this is basically business as usual for this team. What do mm-hmm. you mean by that? Uh, I mean, if you go back now, I was trying to, to think of this with Smith side because we, we projected training camp, but the key was nobody who follows this team was saying, I wonder if it won't get done, and there will be a year of acrimony. Um, and I was trying to think of this. I think off top of my head, the last time the Vikings developed a player and then had an issue with him contractually and they liked him was Sidney Rice, which was – Oh, nine, Sidney Rice is the great year with Favre. And he hurts his hip, and I think he hurt his hip in the NFC title game, if I'm not mistaken. Doctors said you should have surgery, and Sidney Rice says, okay, I'll do it if the Vikings give me a contract extension. The Vikings said, absolutely not. And so Rice doesn't have the surgery, comes back into the next training camp. They have to put him on the pup list. It got nasty from there, and, and of course, by, I think, 2011, Rice was gone. I think that's the last guy, though. If you look at this, any player this team has liked They've jumped in quickly and done contracts with. To me, what the Vikings do now is an is NFL version to a certain degree of what the Cleveland Indians did in the early 90s, which is if you're a good young player and we like you, we are going to make sure we extend you and probably extend you early. We're not going to take this into the last year. But it, it's a credit to me because, I mean, you look around the league and you see still to this day how many teams get in – uh, you know, verbal confrontations with a veteran player or a, in the media too. Player, yeah, 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 who wants a new contract? And the Vikings, for the most part, I think we, we can say this across the board. When it comes to their good young players, there is a rightfully so a confidence that that player's contract will get done, and it won't get done at the eleventh hour, and it won't be a situation where it gets nasty. The only example of of the Vikings recently getting into any type of contract bruja was Peterson, but that was born of the fact that that he didn't like how the team had treated him during the season that he was essentially suspended. That had nothing to do with it just simply came down to, you know, I, I want this and you won't give me this. That had m- many more layers to it. Well, and even that situation as we sit here basically a year later, I mean, it's it's easy to sort of forget how tense that got, but I mean, even that, I you know, I, there were stretches where I thought he, you know, they certainly tried to force his way out. I mean, that could have gotten pretty nasty with you know, the points where Ben Dogger was going around saying that it's in his best interest to play somewhere else, and all of the Facebook posts and that sort of thing. Yep. I mean, that could have gotten really bad. But we're sitting here a year later. He's got a new deal, and by all accounts, seems happy to be here. So, I mean. The, even in that situation, as unique as it was, and as many layers as that had, seems to be copacetic for now. And it wasn't born, though, out of a guy who was entering a final year no, of his deal and no, needed a new wasn't. deal. That was, you're right, Joe. That was more of a unique situation, well, both of you said And the, the thing to keep in mind, too, is part of the reason why this works so well now is, and, and this took the Wolfs a while, but they have the structure right. They have the structure exactly right, which is you have a GM who's in charge of the roster. You have a salary cap guy in Brzezinski who is very good at, at what he does, and he's the guy He's the guy that can go to the GM and say, here's how, how contractually we should be structured. You have a coach who has nothing to do with the salary cap. And likes having nothing to do with the yeah, salary but, cap. Yeah, but it's perfect because the coach can go to any one of these players, Harrison Smith, Adrian, go down the line and say, you know what? 
I'm on your side. I want you here. You got to go upstairs and tell them right now. Where how many times have, have have we seen it now when a coach bites off more than he should chew or can chew, he ends up being the bad guy. And when did that Vikings standoff with Adrian end last year? When Mike Zimmer said publicly he can play for us or nobody, they spoke over the phone that weekend, and he was here that next Tuesday. Exactly. And exactly. you're absolutely right. That's a situation where they've got that structure in place where not only is there no infighting between players wanting deals, there's no infighting well, up at the top. And to, to the Peterson conversation, too, keep in mind, the Antichrist in his mind was Kevin Warren. And yep. Zimmer and Spielman and Brzezinski can all go to Peterson or could have and said, you never have to see this guy again. Don't come upstairs. We'll tell you if, if he's here. I mean, Kevin Warren, very, I think, smart move by the Vikings here, was set up as the bad guy. And, but there were so many layers between Peterson and Warren, who's a, a VP for the team. It didn't matter. Yeah, if it were head coach or the GM, it'd be way different. Exactly. But because it was a COO of the team, it's somebody who's in the front office, not necessarily somebody Adrian's ever going to see. Correct. So uh, it's important, too, to lay out, I think, the especially digging into the terms of Harrison's deal, when we look at things that get thrown out in the media, like with Von Miller and the Broncos, and you know, probably the Broncos leaking out that Von Miller turned down a $115 million deal, and then the agent has to come out and say, no, we turned down the guaranteed money, because that's really what matters. This isn't like Robinson Cano signing a $250 million deal, and you know he's going to see every penny. Uh, it's, it's not even like Tristan Thompson in the NBA getting $100 million. So it's, it's a lot different. These guys do have to fight in, the, in those negotiations for that kind of money. And every other sport, I mean, you mentioned two of them, but the NHL is the same way. Every other sport has guaranteed contracts. You sign that contract, you're getting this until the day it expires. The Broncos probably, in doing that, assuming it was them that leaked it, are assuming that fans either don't know the difference or are going to get so caught up in the number that they are going to think Von Miller is, you know, what a greedy SOB that he's turning down this much money. He's not really. And they, I think, in leaking that are probably betting on people not knowing the difference. When in reality, those of us who watch this closely know, and, and fans now listening to this can can kind of get a reminder of this, these contracts are not what the sticker price says that they are. Well, no, and two, Ben, how important was it where there wasn't those kinds of leaks in this Harrison Smith talk with the Vikings? Yeah. The All key. that kind of stuff. We said training camp because, because they keep it in-house. Here's what I don't get. Why why do NFL teams do that? Why do they why do they attempt I mean, don't they get the fact those contracts I mean, an NFL contract for the most part, aside from the guarantees, means absolutely nothing. So do the Broncos think they're being smart by doing this? Because to me, that's always gonna backfire. Because unless you're just beyond stupid, you know, if I say we offered him a ten year, one hundred million dollar contract and it's worth about ten dollars. I mean the prime example in, in this town, from a Viking standpoint, goes back years now, but it's the Culpepper contract. Yeah, I think Brzezinski spearheaded a contract that I want to say was ten years and how much? Ninety-eight million dollars, yeah, something like that. In anyway, the of hundred, I remember. You that. got one look at the contract, and it was worth about two cents. I mean, it's it, seriously, it was it was about a three-year contract, and it, it's not that it was a bad contract. But, you know, the papers are all reporting at the time, you know, 10 years, $98 million, blah, blah. That's not, that wasn't the case at all. So I think it's interesting now that teams try and supposedly be, quote, unquote, proactive. When you leak those figures, you're going to get, you're going to get a couple hours of, oh, my gosh, the Miller contract was this much. But as you said, Kramer, all anyone has to do is look at the offer or, or have the agent come out and say the guarantees are this. And it's quite clear the contract's worth 
if you're lucky, if it's half of what they're trying to tell you it is. It's, it shows, too, how two-sided it is when it comes to having goodwill between player and team. And the Vikings being a front office that's not essentially leaky at all, and the agents knowing that that's how they want to play ball. And it ends up working out in the best interest of the player for Harrison Smith, for instance, where if they got into fighting in the media, who knows how long that could have drug out, and who knows what he ends up with. Yeah, I mean, and it was a situation where I, it, in this case, never really had to turn into a fight because they got at it early enough. I mean, they really could have stretched this out another year or two if they wanted. I mean, he could have gone this year. They could have franchised him. They could have franchised him again. I mean, you you really could have, if you wanted to bleed this out, make it so he's not a free agent until he's 29. But they said, okay, we want to take care of this guy. And he wanted to be here. The relationship was good. And basically, you know, he said, I mean, Brian Murphy, when I talked to him this week, people said, well, why didn't you wait till training camp and, and give yourself more leverage? And it's like... Because we don't have to do that with these guys because we know that they are not going to have the what he called fake deadlines. Or we're not going to have them because our relationship is good enough that we can say, okay, what's he worth? What are you going to pay him? You have the negotiation. You probably fight through that process a little bit. But in the end, you come out with something fair and you say, okay, let's just get this done and not have to worry about it. On the franchise tag, too, at least from what I've read out of Denver, was one of the worst bad will things they could have done with Von Miller or any player in the NFL. They hate it because it's a guy who's about to hit free agency, and a team just slaps that on him and says, nope, you're here for this amount of money for one more year. You don't get to realize your potential on the market. Then a guy like Malik Jackson, who was the the second or maybe third best player on that defense, runs out and gets $85 million. And Von Miller's sitting there with 15 going, wait a minute, I'm the the MVP of this Super Bowl here that we just won. And the teams that use that, I mean... I'm saying this kind of anecdotally without having done a great deal of research, but I wonder how many teams use that and are the quote-unquote well-run organizations. Model ones, yeah. It seems like the teams that are doing things the way the Vikings are doing it, the way that the Pittsburgh Steelers do it, the way the Packers do it, the way the Seahawks have done it in a lot of cases. The Patriots avoided their their standoff this offseason by trading Chandler Jones, yeah. their best pass rusher. He would have been in that spot of potentially being franchise tag. And they said, no, we're just going to trade you for a guard and a pick. Right. And the, and the Patriots are a little bit different in the sense that they, I think, see a lot of their pieces as more fungible. But the teams that are, are typically held up as the ones that do things the right way are the teams that do it the way the Vikings have approached it the last few years. And you want players uh, on your team and thus around the league to say that's a good franchise because if you yeah. do chase if you do chase guys eventually and now and it's it's not like the Vikings go outside the organization to sign a ton of guys but free agency wise what do you want you want guys to say I'd play there and here's word why. travels and, exactly and people are going to know about it well and that's where the parody comes from in the NFL is is the fact that two markets don't matter anymore you don't need to go to New York you don't need to go to LA you don't need to go anywhere necessarily to be a big name and because there's a salary cap you don't need to worry about that like you do in baseball and other that's sports. a great point you know the it's, TV deals are the same too it's I mean, intri- it is the same amount it Thanks, is really ESPN. it is really intriguing in NBA and football how that that has shifted to you're, you're right Kramer markets now I mean it used to be on a play for the Giants or the you're right markets now market size and and football's always been a little bit different I, I think football really changed when Reggie White went from Philadelphia to the Packers because everybody said there's no way Reggie White's going to the Packers but when you do look at it now how many guys do you say see uh have come out and say I want to play for the Giants now or the Rams now you don't not really. You don't have to because you can make the same money anywhere because the TV contracts it's, are split. It's all about the highest bidder. Look at Jacksonville. They're throwing money all over the place. And for, they have like to. It just said Malik Jackson out of yep. Denver. Um, so what we're saying, to recap, the NBA, you don't have to have this anymore. 
the NFL, you don't have to have it. There's more parity that makes it more interesting. Goes back to the TV contracts. What network has both the TV rights for those deals? This is brought to you by Disney. Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, you guys overpay for everything. We do, but we create just better, more exciting <laughs> products. So, America, you got, hold on if you're second. happy about the state of the NFL and the NBA, thank ESPN. Get that cable subscription going second. again. You got ba- you got Go to baseball, ESPN.com. too, and you ain't saving that sport. Well, it's been better. There's been more parity. You got the Kansas City Royals in the World Series the last you year. Hockey, you kick hockey to the curb, and we're in the state of hockey. Well, yeah, we did sort of Raised do that. Raised in but. the state with... Forget it. Sorry. I'm just saying, if, if you want to hold up, what is the driving force behind all these sports that are getting it right? Don't have to look that far. I got a question for you guys. <laughs> I love how Kramer ends topics. I got a question for you guys. Pregnant pause on the question. It was, just, it was more of an annoyed pause with my two-minute commercial in the middle of that. Ah, it's, a, it's a Friday. I can't be annoyed. Um, I have a question for you guys, though. You have no chance of surviving. Who benefits most from an improved offensive line in this offense not named Teddy Bridgewater? Ben? I think you could make a strong case that it's Adrian Peterson. At 31 years old, a mm-hmm. uh, guy who probably... Yeah, but the question would be then with him... Okay, so here's the point then that maybe we could hammer with that. Um, Adrian might not lead the league in carries this year. And we've yeah. said before that if he does, something probably went wrong. Yeah. And just in terms of how we assume this offense is going to swing towards Teddy Bridgewater, influence more of the passing game, all that. So Adrian was 12th last year in yards per carry. Mm-hmm. First in total carries. So with a better offensive line, presumably, he can maybe up that average, yeah. assuming he's still the monster freak that he is in terms of his athleticism, and still be as impactful as he is with fewer carries. Yeah, absolutely. That's 100% it. I had somebody in the organization tell me this spring that they thought it was basically a miracle that he ran for 1485 last year, given the fact that he had so many of those runs where he was having to get away from people within a yard of the line of scrimmage or further back than that. Now, I, I don't know that the Adrian Peterson of... 2012, the guy that was averaging six yards a carry is somebody we're ever going to see again. But it's also worth remembering how good that offensive line was that year, and specifically that right side in opening holes for him. If he has, say, 40, 50 less carries, and he can bump the the yards per carry up a little bit, you're still effective. You're still among the league's rushing leaders. You still help the offense have that same kind of balance, and you're not taking the same pounding. Maybe that extends his career another year. Maybe it allows him to have a, four, a few more big runs and and not have to grind things out the same way he had to do it last year. And this is really a contract year for him. Yeah, I mean, it it's is. not his last year on his deal, but it's the last guaranteed money. And then the next year in 2017 jumps to what, 16 million or something I like that? I think it's eight. I think the cap hit is 18, and he has a $6 million roster bonus on the third day of the league year. So the way that should be read is. Something's getting done with that deal. I don't. I don't bust. think he's playing on that contract as it's currently written. I think it's structured in a way that will force those sides to do something after this year, whether it's at, restructure it again and add a little bit to it, or, or add a year to it, not necessarily add money to it, or just let him go. I think we are getting to that point where he's in a little bit of a a, a telling year, and I think if he's in a situation where he can say, I'm I'm getting a few less carries and I'm getting more bang for my buck on those carries. It helps him. It helps the team. And ultimately, if they have more balance, that's where you, they want to be. Judd? 
Do you want me to go or do you want to go? Because I'm going to drop the bombshell on you guys. Why don't you go then so I we can build go. the yeah, anticipation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, then, then I better go. If I've been, just I've been talking about this since before we started. Because you guys are going to think I'm crazy. But, but then you're going to think about my answer and you're going to be like, that's just genius. Mind blown? Is that what's going to happen? We usually the do kids one say? of those two things. I think it's Kyle Rudolph. Uh, I think Kyle Rudolph's a guy who was really... Uh, miscast and what he is best at doing. And last year, uh, he had to block a lot more than he caught. And this is a guy who, if this offensive line improves the way that they expect it to, should be asked less to be a part of six, seven-man blocking schemes yep. for Teddy Bridgewater and yep. should be more of the red zone target because, again, this is one of the worst red zone teams. They led the league in field goals, and they, I think, were 21st or 22nd in terms of touchdowns per red zone drive. And so they need to up that a lot. They need more sevens than threes. Kyle Rudolph is a guy who could give them that if they just have fewer guys blocking for Teddy Bridgewater. And so Kyle Rudolph, again, could maybe realize some of that potential finally in what is his sixth year now. He's uh, basically in a contract year, too, if, if you look at it. I mean, his, he, we talked about the, the structure before. Harrison Smith's contract structure is almost exactly the same as Kyle Rudolph's, which makes sense because they have the same agent. Kyle Rudolph, this is the last year where he has the big – base salary guarantee it's like one and a half million next year that are guaranteed if he's on the roster the third day of the league year but even that i think the cap savings if they cut him next year are five million or something like that so if he is going to finally say yes i was worth this deal yes i'm one of the best tight ends in the league or else it kind of has to happen this year and that was the potential they thought when they signed him right yeah, i think absolutely. he was the fourth or fifth highest paid at the time of the signing and so that was the that's the vision they had for him he called he was calling north turner a genius it was before <laughs> he ever played a down for north turner I mean, that the, was all yeah, based lost, on that projection he lost that weight and looked fantastic and then yeah. he had seven grabs 150 yards and a touchdown in the preseason calls north turner a genius and then has the hernia deal and now it's been kind of a uh, rocky road for him since judd how are you going to blow our minds here okay uh, here's how here's how repeat the question not named Teddy Bridgewater, who stands to benefit most from an improved offensive line? I'm going with one of the offensive linemen, Matt Khalil. Ooh. The Vic- now, now hear me, hear me out, boys. Just drop the mic right now. Hear me out. Hear me out. The Vikings moved Brandon Fusco from right to left guard last year based on, based on the belief that Brandon Fusco had been a good right guard, could go to the left side and help Matt Khalil out. Because what did we hear the year before? If you watch the film, Charlie Johnson hurt Matt Khalil at every turn. Mm-hmm. Well, Brandon Fusco made the move to left guard, and it didn't work out very well, especially right. for Brandon Fusco. I'm picking up what you're laying down. You go out and you pay big money for Alex Boone. Now, there are some people, PFF, who think that Boone's best years are gone. Clearly, the Vikings don't believe that. They have a guy who moved to left guard, and Boone, who wasn't great, but now they think he's established there and that he will develop there and be very good. Is there a chance that Alex Boone will provide what they thought Fusco would for Matt Khalil on that left side, which is the support that supposedly Matt Khalil has been lacking? I'm not saying Matt Khalil is going to be a Pro Bowl player again or great. What I'm saying is I think the improvements to the offensive line, and in particular signing Boone, if it does what the Vikings think it's going to do, will benefit Matt Khalil. Yeah, I had seen some. I think it might have been Football Outsiders or or one of those stat sites that had said that uh, of opponent twists, run, stunts, defensive line stunts, where you got one guy switching over for the other and trying to confuse offensive linemen. The Vikings were in the top five in terms of opponents running that against them because of how often the guard tackles just could not pass off. (laughs) That's all we saw when Charlie Johnson was still here. Yeah, and it was the same last year with Brandon Fusco. They just could not handle it. And so you're absolutely right. If they got somebody that could finally handle that, perhaps Matt Khalil is actually blocking somebody who's in front of him and not, you know, cutting from the side or trying to confuse him. Exactly. A year later. Exactly. Although I would say that with that, if, to your point too, if the Vikings were to improve this offensive line, a lot of it has to come from Matt Khalil alone. 
Yeah, I it has to disagree. come from not allowing a 34-year-old Dwight Freeney to knock the yeah. ball loose of Teddy Bridgewater's hand in Arizona. Those kinds of things. All I'm doing is trying to think outside the box. It's you June, did. It's hot. You did. Training camp's a month away. It's hot. Outside the so box. does takes. You, you blew my mind, Judd. You did. By the way, quick question for both of you. Who leads the Vikings in red zone touchdown receptions this season? You, you brought up Rudolph, but who do you think? Do you think he leads the team in that? I think it's him or Treadwell. I could, yeah, it could very well be Laquan Treadwell. I think it's Treadwell. Um, yeah, it could very I well be Treadwell's one of those guys. I think going to give them a wide, the wide receiver type of threat in, in the red zone that they might have They just need, previously. period, red zone touchdowns. I mean, I think last year the guy who led them had two, and it, it might have been Rudolph. And, and that's just the thing. They didn't have enough of those at all last year. Well, if they can just a, get any of them, then they're going to be doing a lot better. And I don't think that's an easy pass to throw. I think that take – I mean, th- this goes back to our conversation about Bridgewater manning up a bit more and throwing some tough passes – and being decisive and getting picked sometimes. But I think that red zone pass is it looks simple, but I think it takes some guts and you're gonna have to fit that ball in, in at times and you and you're gonna have to do it on the faith that you're gonna put the ball where it needs to be and the receiver's gonna be there before the defensive back gets there. To be able to throw a jump ball to somebody though, I mean, you should be able to do that now between Treadwell and Rudolph. Yes. I mean, Rudolph you could always sort of do it, and some of it is Teddy trusting that, but now that you have a receiver that should be better at positioning himself and being able to go up and get it, that should help that situation too. Because that, I mean, really is a throw that, I mean, yes, it is a tough throw, but if you can say I can I can throw it to a spot and have a guy go get it, that is going to certainly help. All right, guys, let's move into a mailbag. we got a few good questions here this week, uh, including one that involves a rattlesnake and, and Ben Gessling, so that'll be interesting. Um, Eric would like to know, speaking of this red zone stuff, actually, Eric would like to know if Patterson were to actually play offensively in 2016, what would his role be with Diggs and Treadwell in the mix? Uh, and, and just to take that one and run with it, I think should Patterson show that he can run around, be where he's supposed to be, and the quarterback can trust him, a red zone package including Patterson, Treadwell, uh, Rudolph, and a bunch of guys that are 6'2 and taller, uh, I think that's something that where he could fit in offensively outside of just being a gadget guy. Gimmick player. He'll, he'll but he's a, not playing unless he's more than that, correct? No, they did, he didn't last year. No, I'm telling you. I think that I think the one thing they might do is come up with a few gimmicks here and there for him. It's been long enough now since he did that. That's the. I don't see him. Beca- I mean, I, I might be totally wrong here, but I'm sorry. Call me skeptical. I don't see him becoming a viable wide receiver threat. I do think if you go back and look at what he's done previously, there are some. And I'm not saying on a game on a game by game basis. I'm not even saying once a month. But I'm saying spread throughout the course of a season. I could see trying to get creative again with, with him like they did when Musgrave was here. I mostly like to call you the sports grinch. Not skeptical as much as that. but I am the sports grinch. I know. You said call me skeptical. I'm going to call you the sports grinch instead. I think it accomplishes. I do like that. Too. Has your frozen heart thawed a little bit I with this 90-degree weather? you got to tell Phil. Sports Grinch has to catch on. That's a, I love that name, Sports Grinch. <laughs> I'll bring it up on Tuesday. I then. don't think thawing would be the thing so much as uh, his heart grew two sizes that day. Isn't that the... I've got a small oh, dog. Oh, I suppose it would have been. Yeah. So a it's small a small dog. heart. It's a small I've heart. I've got a small dog. That's right. You and do. I steal sports presents at the drop of a hat. What's the best present you've stolen? Thomas Vanek's confidence? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Hold on. Mike goes job security? I'm trying to think. Actually, that's no, probably, oh, probably didn't have much. I know, I know. The notion that some some players in this town, especially on the <coughs> wild, are accountable people. That's the that's the best present I've stolen. <laughs> Might be a defenseman who wears number twenty, who I want to see show more accountability next season. That's all I'm going to say about that. Steve would like to know what does Xavier Rhodes need to do to play at a high level all season, Ben? Fewer penalties. 
I would say is the biggest thing. I mean, I think we've mostly seen him hold up in coverage. I think the big issue with him, well, I mean, I think the two things people want to see are better ball skills and probably most importantly, fewer penalties. And I think, you know, interceptions for the Vikings are not going to be priority number one. Mike Zimmer has stated that. I think the number of plays where he ends up giving up free yards or a first down are probably the big issue to the point where we saw Jerry Gray put boxing gloves on him last year. So if if he can cover and be physical with receivers but not get himself in trouble, I think that will take care of a lot of the problem. I think it's something, too, that the next step for him could be something Mike Zimmer alluded to this past week were improving in off coverage. Yeah. And that was something last year. Uh, Rhodes, I believe, gave up seven touchdowns in the first – or no, five touchdowns in the first seven games. And many of those came in off coverage where he wasn't pressing the guy at the line. They just threw a jump ball to to a receiver when he was backed off the line. And that's something where he hasn't been as comfortable where he can't be physical with somebody. And if he's able to do that and be more comfortable now in off coverage, and it's a lot about spacing and timing in that. And if he can be more comfortable in that, I think that will help him too be a lot more consistent and not give up touchdowns aside from the penalties which yeah. you brought up. Why, okay, I got a question for you about that. Why is Xavier Rhodes not better in off coverage when basically throughout the summer and training camp all you can do is play off coverage? I mean, you not training camp. It's it's the off season program. Training camp, it's when all you put press pads coverage. On, you can press. Yeah, you can press throughout okay. August. It's it's May and June, which is right now. He's working can't on the do off anything coverage. Though, right? No, now saying. is the okay. off coverage time. But yes, it, and that's what he's working on. I mean, in, even as we get into the regular season, and I wrote about this a little bit this week, there's sort of this misnomer with the Vikings defense that oh, they just play man press coverage all the time. They don't. I mean, they they put receivers or put corners off of receivers a lot. I mean, they they certainly will press at times and they want people to get reroutes, but they certainly have a lot of times where they don't have a guy right up in a receiver's face at the line. How much of that is a product of having Terrence Newman, though? Still, if you have Waynes and Xavier in there, I would assume maybe that's going to be more of of a thing. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I think even with Rhodes, there are times where. You see him playing off of a guy more. They than did you back would maybe him expect. off last year, though, because of his penalties. Yeah, and I yeah. think if he stops being penalized, perhaps you'll see that kind of come back into play. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I, there are a lot of times I think where you know we've heard Mike Zimmer talk about it at the film sessions he does with, does with us. They're not straight man coverage. I mean, they they have it's portions pattern. of the field it's where they're man coverage, and the, the shorter routes are pattern matching. Yeah, exactly. And the whole thing's kind of based on that. And it's a new, I mean, not new necessarily, but it's not the old Madden where you're just like, man, coverage or zone. Yeah. No, it's yeah. not that at it's, all. It's zone. I mean, it's man with zone principles or zone with Everybody's got their own can, rules and keys on, okay, yeah. one receiver, two receiver. You do this if the one receiver runs a deep route, all those kinds of different things. Yeah, if the guy's going straight down the field, you're going to have to carry him down the field. But there are other times where you're passing guys off and, and making decisions based on what you see a receiver do, how he releases. But that's that why it's really not good to see a player on the Vikings defense and go, oh, they're playing cover three. Well, yeah. um, no, not necessarily. They were they turned into a cover three because the receiver ran this or, right. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, their coverage at the line is not as simple as it's this or this. It's It could be this depending on what they do or this other thing depending on what they do. Johnny would like to know, which Vikings defensive player is most likely to have a breakout season? Judd? Which Vikings? Did you say defensive, defensive player? player? Breakout season. A breakout season. Well, I'm going to go with the guy that I, I've said should start week one, and I don't know he will, Trey Waynes. Newman's very much on the roster. And I really think that there's a chance that teams will throw at Waynes more than Rhodes then, and that there is, and that if, if it went perfectly, Waynes would actually have more interceptions than Rhodes based on, on how much he potentially could get thrown at as teams test him if he is successful. So 
I'll go with Waynes based on the fact that I do believe that this is a big a big year for him to prove that he can take that role. If it's Waynes, I sort of wonder what they'll do with the whole Xavier Rhodes go shadow this guy all over the field thing. Because part of why that works is that you trust Terrence Newman to be able to play on the other side of the field if needed. Maybe, I don't know, will they trust Trey Waynes to be able to do that as much? It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Well, that and Mike Zimmer does not ideally want to have somebody shadow somebody. And I think they did that the past two years because one, Captain Munnellin was the other undersized corner. And Terrence Newman is also not the biggest guy either. Yeah. Or at the age, he's not in his prime. some of that. But Um, but ideally, ideally Mike Zimmer wants Xavier Rose to stay on the right side. And he wants whoever, Trey Waynes, hopefully, to stay on the left side. And and you're right, Judd. They do want Trey Waynes to start week one. And they're pushing him to do so. They're, They're trying to say, look, make us have no choice. Go out in the practice field and show that you were they better than Terrence Newman. They clearly want him Newman. to show confidence and be aggressive in taking this job as opposed to them going and saying, I guess it's your job. Um, I think a breakout player on this defense, uh, I think it's got to be Anthony Barr. I think Anthony Barr at this point has has shown and flashed things. That Atlanta game, for instance, when he has two forced fumbles and the strip sack to end the game, I mean, that just flashed. If he could do that every week, then you go, okay, this is now why he's the ninth overall pick. He's got the talent. He needs to stay healthy. And if he does stay healthy, that means they don't need to limit him like they did last year where he breaks his left hand, they stop blitzing him, and then he's more of a cover guy. And he's impressed the the coaching staff, too, with his cover skills. But he's a wrecking ball for a quarterback, and that's where he needs to be more involved. And I think he's the guy that should have that kind of breakout season in his third year and be healthy. And that, you can say the same for a guy like Sharif Floyd, too. Mine is assuming that you don't consider six sacks as a rookie a breakout season. If you don't, I think it's Daniel Hunter because they have been talking him up a lot. I mean, I think they are pretty high on what they've seen from him coming back after his rookie year. I mean, it, it clicked for him late. I expect he'll have a bigger role I, they have gone out of their way to talk about how much better this guy looks, and, and sort of hold. They've held him up as sort of a uh, a reason why their draft strategy works. And I think, I but they have, and I, I don't think you necessarily do that unless you're confident that it's not going to come back to bite you after one year where he shows some flashes. I think they feel like he's ready to do more. He looks stronger. I mean, I, I think I heard Mike Zimmer talking a little bit this week about how he's been you know, doing some boxing and you know, probably working on some hand fighting and counter moves and, and some of those things that he needed to learn when he came out of LSU and, and really wasn't a guy that, that matched his talent in terms of his production. No. So if you have him there and you have him on one side and Everson Griffin on the other with Brian Robinson still in that mix, that could be an awfully uh, potent pass rush from those guys yeah, he quadrupled his sacks from his last year in college yeah. uh, his first year in the nfl second only behind washington's preston smith um daniel hunter's a good one i think he's a guy that showed a lot of potential last year and anyway um let's move into jay-z hoodie would like to know if Gessling were bit by a rattlesnake and asked judd to suck the venom out first of all we need to know where the bite is Secondly, yeah, this is not good so far. Secondly, the rest of the question is, but in turn, Judd's taste buds would be altered to where you hate the taste of beer for the rest of your life. Would you save Ben's life? And let's say the bite is on his arm and not in any other awful place. Would you save Ben's life if you could no longer stand the taste of beer? Oh, what kind of snake is this? For that to happen. You said rattlesnake. I don't know. What kind of rattlesnake would have that effect? I don't know. I don't know. Um, These questions get more ridiculous every week. Yeah, this is a tough one. 
honestly, uh, so I don't like beer anymore if this happens. You're ever, putting your glasses on like ever again. <laughs> like you're just thinking like the um, most in-depth thing. No, I'm Googling the I'm SATs Google, here. I'm going to Google how quickly do you die from a rattlesnake bite because I figure if you go quickly and it's painless, I'm not going to feel that bad about it. I wouldn't ask you first anyway. Okay, um, I would go on, to Kramer. He likes me better. I'm Googling oh my God. rattle, snake, bites, <laughs> and death. Because, you know, if it's going to be quick, I mean, that's you're going to die at some point. Um, Let's just say it takes. it's going to be agony. You know what the benefit of that would be, though? Hmm. I wouldn't have to listen to these questions anymore. So, hey, it wouldn't be that bad, right? So as you're checking out, oh, like these aren't that bad. To do. They're, they're kind of jumping the shark, hoodie. This is, this I mean, is, this is entertaining, is what it is. Uh, yeah, but it's the same thing every week. Like I, the the other one, I actually thought was better. Which was the other one? La- the, about, about if I if I'm about to go on TV oh, and I that's have juvenile, that's dumb. I can't find how long it takes it takes you to <laughs> like die. He's you on the verge into, of death is a lot I'm better. I'm becoming I'm becoming the Kenny of this podcast. Yeah, you know, I yes. think they killed Benny. Absolutely. I think that's I, what I'm it needs do to be. Some more research, and I think we should come back next week and I'll answer that question. Sorry. Sorry, Ben. Well, if Ben did have a piece of food stuck in his teeth, this is the other question, and he was about to go on live TV, would uh, the question is, would, would me or Judd tell him? Well, I'd tell him, sure. Why not? Why wouldn't I do that? It's not going to hurt me to tell him. I might not. I Why? always go check anyway. Why would you tell him? Um, You're supposed to be an adult. Well, okay. It was supposed to be. Um I don't know. I mean, I might not like beer. I think I'm not this gonna... is the same guy who goes on my Twitter account and tweets out, I like hugs when I leave my laptop up. I'm oh, going to let really? him I have get no in... knowledge of that. I'm going Did to you let... really do that? I would never do yeah, that. Yeah, he does kind of dumb stuff I like that. I am all professional I am all going time. to let him... <laughs> I'm yeah, going to let him at least take a hit. Say no more. I don't blame you one yeah. bit. See, there you go. And I would still enjoy a beer afterward. There is no record on Twitter of that ever coming out of your account. Anybody who wants to try to find evidence that I would ever do that is welcome to go back Did and you check your Twitter it? account. What would you do? Did you do? I didn't do it in the first place. Did Kramer delete it. Kramer deleted. I, I, I can't you comment that on that. Did you, Andrew? Ben's the kind of person that I'm sure when you were out with buddies drinking in college, saying, "Hey, you should go climb that building. <laughs> hey, you should go do this. Hey, you should. You're the instigator. You're you know the what? Who just tells people to do things that they shouldn't do. I have a friend who I worked with at the Minnesota Daily that. Almost to the letter described me that way. He said I was the Buddy Ryan of our group, and he was Andre Waters, and I was just sitting there saying, kill Andre, kill, (laughs) and just standing back and watching everybody else do things while I kept my hands clean and and just watched approvingly. Not too much of a shocker. Anything else? I is what I is. Nothing else? No other questions? Really? I mean, come on. we got to have another Harrison Smith question, don't don't we? Or... uh... Xavier Rhodes question? Or? What are your expectations for Harrison Smith in terms of if he's able to be turned loose in this defense? Is it more sacks? Is it more knocked out players? I don't, know if, you could, it's more I don't know if you could up that. Create more havoc. That's what I want. Because to me, they're looking for a guy who could cover next to him. Yep. Yeah. They're, they're looking that for, that's why they bring in a Michael Griffin, who's been a free safety his entire career. They're looking for a guy that can trust back there in the single high kind of deal that they often do so they can put Harrison down in the box. To yep. me, that doesn't mean more interceptions. That doesn't necessarily mean no. more pass deflections. No, I'm not thinking more. Um, it's more don't let your guy catch the wall, It more means, Mike Zimmer would honestly, say. Too, one of the things they want to do is improve their run defense. Let me. They were, they were 21st in yards per carry allowed last year, and Harrison Smith is one of their best run defenders when he's sure. allowed to be up there. Let me give you the buzzword for National Football League defenses in 2016, boys. Multiple? Confusion. Confusion. The true interchangeable safety. Yes, so exactly. So you want – if you put someone really, who is good by Harrison Smith, you don't have free and strongs. 
He can line up anywhere at any time, and you don't know where he's going to line up. That's what I want. If they were able to get that with the linebackers that they have that can move around and the linemen they have that can move around, yes, that's a lot well, for an offensive coordinator to deal and with. It's why they don't play, and it's why good defenses now don't necessarily not really four three or three four now. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. So Anthony Barr can line up wherever he wants, and then all of a sudden you're a four I mean, three. All of a sudden, th- think about three, this. Four. Yeah, exactly. And think about this. Daniel just Hunter moving around, whatever. In the simplest terms possible, Anthony Barr on one play lines up in the A gap. Okay. Harrison Smith basically comes up and plays a hybrid linebacker, safety linebacker, for one ser- for one down. And then the next down, Harrison Smith drops back, Barr drops back, but Barr blitz. I mean, you could do – you could come – if you had confidence in the guy by Smith for that back end, think about the amount of stuff he could do. And it's a wonder why we have such a quarterback in crisis when you have – that happening on one end, and you have all these college quarterbacks coming out of these spread offenses where you don't have to read anything, and then they have to deal with that when the game is faster well, and that's defenses why, are getting in your face sooner. And I think we see this a little bit now, but that's why I think in college you got to – if I'm a college head football coach, I do not run a spread, and I run a pro-style offense, and I recruit quarterbacks based on that. And you just tell them you're going to be better suited for yes. the NFL. Yes. Yeah. I mean, college. You get a couple of them drafted high. It helps recruit them in the long run anyway. It's, if you think this is your first round pick, Mitch Leitner. Mitch yeah. Leitner. yeah. Late first round pick <laughs> to the Dallas Cowboys, according to your network, by the way. Bunch of BS, that is. Bunch of shams. Oh, it's awful. Shills. It's awful. But think about this. Think about the NFL, or I'm sorry, college football is the feeder system. There's no question about it. It's their minor league. Yet their minor league, for the most part, offensively, doesn't do what they want them to do. It's almost like a separate league, though. I, w- I would argue. I wouldn't say that it's like that because they don't. They don't necessarily care. Like the Alabamas, no. sure. The Alabamas will run a pro style no, offense right. and say you are better suited. But what but, I'm saying, but is the Big Twelve doesn't care. They're going to produce. Don't get paid on who they develop. The Big Twelve is going to produce winning. the Josh Doxes, right. the Corey Coleman's, and say, okay, take a swing on our quarterbacks. But, who cares? But what I'm saying is, is that is the feeder system. There is no minor league. So, so that so. From the perspective of right. developing players, it's a bad feeder system. Correct. That's my point. Because that's the why, aim is not to feed players. The that's aim why is to win and make money. I'm a college football coach. I run a pro-style offense and say, come play for me. You guys are all going to be preparing for the National Football League. Because I don't care about your education. Hell, I barely care about you. <laughs> but I want to win games, and I want to get the best players available to me. And to do that, what I would do is I would say, I'm going to develop you. In fact, if I got a college football head coaching job... I would hire all pro assistants. I, I would go to the National Football League. Lane Kiffin. Guys, guys go get the tight end coach, the Denver Broncos. That's exactly. <laughs> Jesus Beezers. That's right. I get Tim Brewster. But seriously, I Jim would. Jim Bob Cooter. Oh, that's the greatest name. You of know what? I, I was. Anyway. This is I an digress. aside, Sorry. but I, I was talking with um, a Viking scout this week who um, had, had had a conversation with Craig Bull at North Dakota State um, a few years back. And, and Bull basically said, Tim Brewster was the best thing that ever happened to me because he didn't recruit these Minnesota kids and the program went down the hill and they went down and beat the Gophers the one time and almost it should have probably beat them twice. Basically, it turned into North Dakota State becoming the program where all of these kids in the Midwest and in Minnesota could go and win and you know, it basically the essentially what I took from that is the the Tim Brewster era was even worse than we thought. Tim Brewster was actually good for somebody. Wow. I'm glad we found that one person. That's why, in all seriousness, in the research we've done here through the years, in the female demos, I'm huge. 
95% of Uber Eats orders are on time, which is great. Because when I want my spicy shrimp pad thai, I want it on time. Because, baby, there's no time like the present, especially when it's pad thai related. But on the off chance your order is late, Uber Eats will give you three months, $0 delivery fee with a free Uber One membership. On time, pad thai, baby. On time claim based on latest arrival time shown after order is placed. Offer ends 2 19 Current Uber One members not eligible. Subscription will auto-renew at nine ninety nine each month, starting three months from initial enrollment. See Uber.com slash Uber One for terms. Benefits available only for eligible stores. Order minimums apply.